I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel live broadcast today. We are talking to amazing, utterly incredible coach and physio, Tim Piggott from HPC Coaching, about how best to recover from an ultra, both in body and in mind. So, you're training for the Ridgeway Challenge, 86 miler yep. at the moment, and you're recovering from Lavaredo 120k, and before that was the yep. UCS 100k, um, so you've done a lot recently quite close together, so we're going to be talking about how you recover quickly, um, and also, I just got to slip this in there with your past history of total rehabilitation from near-death car accidents you are no stranger to recovery are you no it's uh it's actually my anniversary slash uh, rebirth tomorrow uh 23rd anniversary tomorrow yes yeah oh yeah. wow congratulations yeah. so yeah i mean that's uh that's a far more uh, complicated type of trauma recovery, that one. Yeah. Uh, we're also talking about uh, race recovery and, and maybe a little bit of training recovery. Um, I've also I've got to get this in here because you've also recently raced yourself. You talk about me, but of course you're we also racing. Ah, it's you're, along you're having a chat to people, making a film. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to get this in there, haven't you? Um, I know it's been talked about uh, a lot already, but of course you did your uh, later in 50 and, and you're now in the sort of process of recovering from that. Just before we went live, we were obviously talking about what you've been doing um, or not doing over the last couple of years. Quite, quite purposeful. And, but again, that's that's something else that we'll touch on, perhaps, you know, how quickly to get back into it again and things like that. So, so yeah, um, I know... You've had a, a few questions from from the patrons, and um, you had a, a few questions yourself. But I think yeah, we'll we'll talk about some recovery. But these principles are not just about post race. These same principles do also then apply in in training as well. And um, but within training, we need to appreciate that some of these recovery strategies, and people will be quite aware of 
sort of some of the more fancy recovery strategies that we use. But there's always a balancing act because when it comes to training, we're looking to stress our bodies in order to get a response. And if we if we use lots of these fancy recovery tools, we can often lessen that training response. Oh, okay. That's so we do need to be a little bit careful about when we apply these train these recovery strategies and some of the more higher level recovery strategies because of that blunting effect of the, the training effect. But of course, after a very stressful, either very stressful training session, or particularly we're thinking about within this chat is about those races, then we may be looking to really maximize our recovery and and blunt the the negative effects um, of of that stress on the body. And yes, you touched on the fact that I've done some, some fairly big races in relatively quick succession. Uh, it's not too bad for me. This one in between Lavaredo and the Ridgeway Challenge coming up. It was a it was a tighter turnaround between Ultra Trail Snowdonia and then going into Lavaredo, and only had about six weeks there. So it was a obviously after UTS, you know, there's a lot of lot of stress on the body with that kind of vert uh, to then try and turn it around and, and go into Labrador. That that was a challenge. Did I get it right? Mm, debatable. Um, probably could have done with another couple of weeks there. Yeah, uh, so but, but it wasn't probably what you did at all. No, um, but at, at the same time, you know, my colleague Emma um, Stewart from, from Scarpa, you know, she turned around um, a win at obviously the 100 mile at Ultra at Trail Snowdonia uh, and then managed a podium uh, at Lavaredo as well. So, she, so yeah, she rested a lot more than I did and obviously that off for her. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just goes to show rest is really, really important. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I've sort of rambled a bit there. Did you want to sort of... <laughs> Yeah, I'll kick off some questions. questions. No, no, I think that's I think interesting you know that's really really useful to know about the recovery things as well like yeah you're talking about things like those massage guns and those kind of rolling things that we yes know, things exactly. stick your legs into like are those actually preventing us from training hard like that's really interesting to think about no, so those type of tools those so the massage guns um yeah foam rollering things like that that that's okay it's more People often things use like ice baths, mm -hmm. immersion, uh, those type of things, which are really good if you're needing to recover for the next day. Maybe you're doing you know back-to-back -back races, or you know competitions. You know properly um, used in sort of team sports, for example, where it might be in a tournament and you're you're competing day after day, um, or multi-day racing things like that. But there is a blunting effect. So, you know, cryotherapy can help. It's more of a neurological recovery than metabolic, but that's another uh, another side point. Um, so it, it can be useful, but it has its place. And, the, and you need to appreciate that if you're using things like cryotherapy, it will have a blunting effect on your training response. So what's more important, the training response getting fitter or not being so sore and able to then push hard again the next day? maybe not get the same benefits of that initial training session or competition that race yeah. uh, it needs to recover for the next race if it's you know a back-to-back -back, uh, competition or multi-day like so yeah. those are just the other things to kind of bear in mind okay that's interesting to know so it's 
So yeah, I've pulled back on a multi-day race. I know we've got a question from Jade about multi-dayers coming up. Okay. So yeah. Good to know. Um, yeah. So I've backed and like. Yeah. Get on, get in the street, the river, river, get in yeah. the lake. Um, after that stage, if you can, brilliant. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And after races, get in that river, but not necessarily after training. Yeah. No, again, it depends on you know what that race is. You know, you might be doing midweek racing as your hard training session, but you're wanting that, you know, in some ways you're wanting that little bit of soreness because that's your body responding to that stress and it will then respond and it will get stronger. But if you get rid of any of that soreness, then there's no stimulus for your body to then adapt from that training session to get stronger. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where we need to think about these in in their right place and the right time yeah. but i think the the main part of this chat was thinking about obviously after after racing about hard racing and i know you were asking about you know what what do we actually do to our bodies you know what yeah. is it that we do? yeah what it like why do we even need to recover like i know that's a really ridiculous question because obviously yeah. you like kill yourself on a race but what are what are we actually doing to our bodies when we run an ultra distance like what did i do to myself when i ran 50 miles on the lakeland 50 because it seemed it was quite easy i was a bit disappointed it was a bit easy until yeah. 40 miles and then it was midnight and it was 10 miles to go there's a real sting in the tail at the end of the race it's like a, there is, a yes. very steep bit at the end it was quite yeah. rocky yeah. um and then so the last 10 miles you know it was harder and it was two o'clock in the morning when I finished so that was you know I was a bit tired yes. but it wasn't that hard and then the next day I could just walk around I mean like what do we do to our bodies does it just depend how well prepared you are as to how broken you are afterwards um or to an extent yes yeah of course like, or, um, yeah what does it do so generally speaking let's be honest about it ultra marathons are not healthy they're oh, not really? good oh well i felt awesome. great on the 50 yeah. <laughs> for most of the way i was enjoying um, it <laughs> you know we we put but the thing is we push our bodies and we you know for a lot of people you know you push your bodies to the limit as to how much damage we do, yes, there is certainly a, uh, a question about how much training you've done. So obviously the better trained, the better prepared you are, the less of a shock to the system that race is going to be. So, you know, this is where you can be looking at the, the elites and they can be banging out big races week in, week out. Or, in, you know, they can be doing multiple, you know, big, very hard races. But actually the race isn't... A, pushing them beyond their limits in terms of what their average training week is looking like. Whereas obviously for, you know, for an elite athlete, hundred mile weeks in training, that might be fairly average, but for your average age grouper doing a hundred mile race, that's a lot more than their usual weekly volume. Yeah. And therefore, you are pushing yourself beyond your usual limit. So you are going to be causing some some damage and some breakdown. Um, you know, you as an individual, you've got a lot of you've got a big depth of experience, and you've also done some some big days this this year as well. Um, so, you know, and again, you went into the fifty very much with a case of I just need to, you know, get to that finish line and enjoy myself, yeah. and therefore you probably held back you probably yeah. could have gone quicker yeah i could have 
I was yeah. in queues a bit as well, so that held me back. But I thought, oh, that's probably good at the start of the race because exactly. then you don't go too fast. But yeah, I did go around with the goal of enjoying myself. So I suppose if I wasn't hurting, I could have pushed myself a bit harder. But that's not really why I do them. I don't want. I don't want it to hurt. Like that's the thing. I don't want ultra running to hurt. I want it to be nice. <laughs> I like when it starts hurting. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so it depends what your what your goals are in terms of how hard you're going to push yourself. Um, so you can either push harder and go faster or you can take that step back and, and not damage yourself so much. Oh, um, sounds good. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's that. And I think it's also worth noting that actually female athletes often don't break themselves quite as much. Now, why that is, is probably debatable in terms of, um, so one of the markers that we look at is how much muscle breakdown there's been, how much damage to those muscles um, with an enzyme called creatine kinase. So measuring the, the levels of CK in the blood. Um, and there's been studies looking at males versus females. Um, and this, it was at, um, pretty sure it was UTMB, that, that paper. And interestingly, the, the levels of um, CK in the blood in the female athletes was less than the males for equivalent times. So why is that? Is that because women are better at um, basically preserving their, their muscle tissue? Is it that women are better at pacing themselves and they don't damage themselves as much early on in the race? Debatable. Um, you know, we do know that, that female athletes are generally better at pacing themselves than male athletes. And that's probably more of a psychological thing. Um, women are generally smarter and more sensible than men. <laughs> comes yeah. down to I don't know uh, if we have that same sort of like uh, com competition. Well, I'm sure we're all very competitive, but I don't know. Some men have this sort of machoism going on, which is sort of a bit of toxic masculinity going on where they're like, oh, I've got to prove element of that. Yes, there, there's certainly that comes into it. And uh, maybe we need to get one of our sports psychologists on to maybe talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, there is, but there is muscle damage and yeah. there could be, there can be very significant muscle damage. You know, the, the levels of muscle damage in uh, athletes after an ultramarathon that are still technically healthy and, and functioning day to day. But if you take, if you do a blood sample on them and compare that to somebody that was in hospital, the, you know, the medical team at the hospital will be absolutely freaking out because levels are off the charts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it can be really quite significant. And that's why, you know, you get some of the muscle soreness, but, you know, the difficulty in, walking you know the classic having to come down the stairs backwards <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's a whole host of, of other uh, sort of problems that then flow on from that one you know we can get damage to our kidneys people are probably more familiar with things like hypernatremia um, where we um, can basically get dilution of the of the blood um, but again we get the, the damage to the kidneys and that again people may be more familiar with things like um the advice about not taking ibuprofen, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories because of that dehydration. And again, the damage to our kidneys because of that. But again, we get all these byproducts, these waste products from damaging our muscles. Um, and they're obviously going to get filtered out by the kidneys. So then we can get obviously kidney irritation damage from that. Um, we obviously stress our, our guts, our digestive system to a huge extent. Obviously, we're consuming a lot of calories during an ultramarathon. Um, and a lot of the time, that's very simple carbohydrates, which are often not superb for our guts. 
our teeth as well. And our teeth. We talked about that a little bit last time, didn't we? Yeah. Um, so that obviously stresses the gut in terms of the uh, the healthy bacteria, and, and we can be damaging those those levels of healthy bacteria. Um, obviously, we're we're exercising, so more of our blood is going to our muscles, less is going to our gut. So again, that's some of the stress that the gut goes under. But yes, the damage to that that healthy bacteria, the good bacteria in our gut, that can be a knock-on effect later on in terms of your, your recovery post-race, not then absorbing nutrients well from our food. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a link um, between sort of post-race blues, that sort of what was kind of post-race depression, um, and there's an interesting um, question being posed elsewhere and had a really interesting conversation with one of my athletes uh who's a, also an anesthetist and multiple spine winner himself and so on and so forth um tom hollands look him up oh He's yeah a guy. oh yeah i've met him uh, i met him yeah. a few times like on the spine reporting on the spine in previous years yeah. and also he helped sabrina um That's... on her pennine way uh, record yeah. yes yeah. yeah um so again we we haven't managed to do it yet but a really interesting question is you know what is there a link between the damage to our gut and our mental health? Ah. Because there is a, a link between your gut, your enteric nervous system and your mental health. You know, ah. So if there's damage to the gut, is that part of why we then have some of those post-race blues and then also ah. vice versa? So you know, there's, there's a big inter-system link with everything that's going on here. Yeah. So I think what I want to get you think, your, your listeners, um, people watching the, the YouTube, is thinking about it, post-race recovery isn't just taking a few days off. It isn't just making sure you get some good sleep. We need to be thinking about lots of different aspects of that recovery and what kind of damage we have done to our body. And it'll vary. You know, I know people that can run 100 miles and, you know, a couple of days later, they're back out running again. Hmm. And other people are going to need weeks off. Yeah. So it depends on your level of experience it depends on how hard you push yourself yeah uh, it depends on yeah what your what your next goals are of course as well um yeah. talk about the sort of next goals and we had a bit of a chat off here about yourself and what i was just talking about there in terms of the, the post-race balloons i always get people to think about what is coming up next before the before you've done that race ah cunning so, the, the start of this that i've got uh, another race coming up in a couple of weeks time i'm already thinking about what i'm doing next i've already started recceing my ah. next event ah. so, my is all, so as soon as i finish that race yes i'm going to have some time off I'm, I'm planning quite a long time off actually and even though i'm planning quite a big break um, and recovery after this race yeah i'm already thinking about what's coming next ah. so will that be next year then if that's quite a long it, time off it's probably gonna be next year yeah i doubt i'll get this done before the end of this year so i'm thinking about a challenge that i've got lined up and oh. keep that under wraps just now oh. but a challenge i've got lined up um <laughs> probably for sort of springtime next year but i'm going to start the planning and prep work almost now even though i've got another race coming up amazing so it just means when you finish that race you know i'm invested a lot in this race that's coming up and often people when they're building up to a big challenge it might be you know it might be 12 months worth of investment or longer yeah and then something's done now what yeah and that's where these post-race blues can come in because it's suddenly like well i've lost this kind of purpose this reason to exercise yeah. to pain to whatever so it's having something else yeah to then 
forward to, even if it's just a holiday. And I know yourself, you've just taken a bit of a holiday um, after after doing your race, you know, reconnect with friends and family and things like that. And that's, again, something to, that you can then look forward to. You, you know, cross that finish line, initial recovery. Oh, great. I've got a holiday coming up. Fantastic. Something to look forward to yeah. rather than just, oh, it's back to work on Monday. Yeah. And nothing else going on yeah you know that's a a big part of it as well yeah book a day off (laughs) yeah yeah if if you've had to book childcare during the race think about the next day as well book childcare for the next day because that's the day when you don't want to be running after a toddler is that first next day and the one after (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah, because you might yeah. be known to anybody. Yeah, and hopefully you've sort of enjoyed that training because it's not all about the race day, is it? Like, you've enjoyed your training. Like, I enjoyed the fact that I tried to do everything I could to train. Like, I went out with the... Bu- like, Finley was waking up really early, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. I was really proud of myself that I like got him in the buggy, went for a five-mile run, or yeah. did hill reps with the buggy, even parked him halfway up a hill, did hill it's reps. Photos. Yeah, and I was really proud of myself. And I think that's why I found the 50 kind of quite, like, easy in a way because uh, I didn't realize how much training I actually had managed to get done and I did I trained really smart like because of all those chats with you and I you know trained with my poles and I I ate during training which I never used to do and I did loads of hill reps loads and loads of hill reps not like sprinting or anything but just hiking up the hill with a heavier backpack slightly heavier than what I was going to take and I felt really strong and I did strength training every week and I felt really strong on the 50 so it definitely inspired me to do more um but yeah training works funny that isn't it training works I know it's so funny yeah I never used to train like I did ultras like 10 years ago and I'd just rock up and then it would hurt really a lot afterwards um but yeah that's why I was wondering why if there was a big link between how much you've prepared and how much it hurts afterwards and I, I think there, there, there might be <laughs> of course there is and I think we talked about this before and when we think about sort of planning for for races and you've got to be honest with yourself about how much training you can actually get in for an event um, and we had a, a chat um, a while back about, you know, well, what's the minimum you can do for, for an event? What's the, you know, the minimum amount of training to get through it? And yeah, okay, there is a there is a minimum that you can do. But of course, the less you do, the more the event's going to hurt. Yeah. And if it hurts a lot, are you going to enjoy it? And are you mm. going to look at it in a very positive light? Yeah. So, and so it's going to hurt we, afterwards as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, of course, the more you can do, the better prepared you're going to be, the more you'll enjoy it, the more you'll smile and the less it'll hurt overall. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, um, absolutely. Just, yeah. You, just goes to show training, training works. Training it? helps. Training helps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a few questions on the live chat, which I'm going to get to in a minute because we've got a okay. question from Trail Running Phil about multi-day and I'll, I'll cover that with Jade's question as well. She's watching yeah. as well. Um, and, uh, and also Peter has... Um, tendonitis so on his knee oh on the knee is that right he I think he did it while sleeping which was a very (laughs) very interesting way to get an injury Um, so yeah we've got that question as well but I was just wondering if we could just go through um, so covered like why we need to recover Um, Mm. what about like immediately after because I've just taken sort of two weeks off I've been walking I've done a bit of hiking and carrying Finley in the backpack and a bit of jogging basically yeah. um 
but recovery is there a sort of a timeline like what should we do immediately after we finish and then an hour or two later and then the following day is there is there some rules that we could follow there that like is best practice yeah so it somewhat depends on what comes next in terms of are you looking for a very quick turnaround ah, okay so if if you really are looking at a very quick turnaround in terms of uh, you know recovery before your next event then you know you've got to put some some serious thought into this and you know the recovery starts well the recovery starts obviously as soon as you finish the race but you could even argue that recovery starting both within the race as well so okay. when i'm meaning about within the race and you just mentioned about you know you you were learning to eat more in training um and people would be sort of familiar with some of the research that's come out about really trying to increase the number of um, sort of grams of carbohydrate we can take on board during training and you know historically we used to talk about getting 60 grams an hour and then there were some studies coming out looking at the um, mountain marathon runners taking sort of 120 and the cyclists taking 120 and some even more than that um, but one of the key things about that was there was less muscle damage post-race so people were able to cover better because they'd taken on more calories during the race yeah um if people haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to look at um, some of the analysis of Killian Dune's uh, nutrition strategies. And this was sort of last year, looking at sort of hard rock and UTMB. Um, I thought it was on his, is it, is it Mountain, like MTN website? Um, and then people, a few people have done um, some analysis on that. Okay. So, again, there's a few things out there. There's a few podcasts out there. I'll try and okay. maybe find the links and send them through later. And yeah, you can... and I can put them in the film description below in the podcast show notes. Yeah, that would so, be great. There were some things that um, Killian was taking nutritionally, um, and people were like, well, why are you doing that? Because that's that's not helping for, for the ultramarathons you're doing. Things like some of the nitrates. We know that taking nitrates, like you know, beetroot juice, nitrates, mm. can be very effective for short-distance, um, high-intensity training. So, yeah. great but he was taking it an ultra and people were like well why and he's like okay but it's not really helping me in terms of the race itself but it was improving my recovery afterwards yes oh wow like, okay get your beetroot out and yeah munching. and other things like you know increasing the, the fat and the protein content of the in-race nutrition mm-hmm. yes there's probably some benefit within the race but it's more about lessening the damage and therefore improving the recovery afterwards for oh. that quicker turnaround. So not just so, sugar? No. So therefore, so that's what I'm saying about, you know, your recovery is starting within the race as well. It's not just about the, the post-race recovery. But then, of course, you, you cross that finish line and you need to start rehydrating. You need to start refueling as, as quickly as possible. So there's your, you know, your recovery drinks, whether it's, a, you know, your protein shakes. Um, or whether it is just quite simply a glass of milk and a banana and then getting, you know, some proper food in. So then, you know, most most finish lines will usually at an ultramarathon and then involve some form of catering, won't they? So then you yeah. go and get some proper food. Yeah. Then you go and get showered and changed, get some more good quality food on board. So it's getting that those building blocks back into your system as, as quick as possible. Yeah. Then you need to be obviously dealing with um, any muscle soreness so it might be a case of yeah getting in the in the lake getting in the river getting in the cold shower and that's almost more of a neurological just calm everything down yes put your compression gear on so whether it's your compression socks leggings these type of things they can certainly be helping um 
But the biggest thing is then get some sleep. Ah, mm-hmm. So, yes, I've got some fancy tools and I can talk about this a little bit more later. I've got a partnership with Compex, for example. Um, so I've got the massage guns. I've got the electrical steam. I've got the compression boots. They're brilliant. But unless you're nailing the big rocks of good sleep and good nutrition, adding all the fancy stuff in is going to have a much smaller effect than just getting some good quality sleep and some good quality food. Ah. Um, so, so yeah, you need to obviously then nail that initial post-race recovery. If there isn't anything coming up straight away, um, then, you know, my, I, I put it down for my, my crew, um, for my, my race plan for after the Ridgeways, you know, cross the finish line, pizza and beer. That's yeah. what I'm going for, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, beer's rehydration, pizza's good carbs, all the rest of it. But, you know, you've got to nourish your body. It's not just about fuel. It's about enjoying food as well so you know go out there eat the nice things you know if, if you have if you have restricted yourself from you know certain you know you you i don't know banana split sundays knickerbocker glories all the ice creams things crack on have it enjoy it <laughs> go out great those meals that's the reason um, we run isn't it <laughs> absolutely you know going out for massive slices of cakes and all the rest of it Enjoy your food because um, that's what it's all about as well. It's not just about seeing food as fuel. It's you know you've got to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, uh, where am I, I'm going off on a tangent. tangent here, <laughs> so yeah, nourishing the nourishing the body after the race, but nourishing your soul as well. So you know enjoying the food, going out for nice meals with your friends, celebrating. Uh, I think you asked a question um, off air about you know should you should you celebrate with alcohol? Shouldn't you? Well. If you're going straight into another race, if you're really needing to nail that recovery, yeah, you don't want to go out and have a bender. You know, one beer, glass of wine, that's going to be okay. But as soon as you go into the sort of threes and fours, you're going to be starting to have a negative effect. <laughs> but then if there isn't anything coming up immediately, go and enjoy some time with your friends because you probably haven't been doing that in training. So, yeah. Um, in terms of obviously getting back to the, the body and, and healing the body, you may have blisters, you may have some, you know, some sore areas, things like that. You obviously want to deal with that, you know, get them cleaned up, get them dressed. So manage anything like that. And then should we need you to be patch just... them up before you go to sleep or should you let them sort of breathe whilst you're sleeping? Should you only patch them up like if you're going to start walking around again? Yeah. So it depends on obviously the sort of nature of those blisters. Okay. Uh, so generally speaking, you want to let your body do its thing. Mm-hmm. So don't interfere too much. If you've got, you know, massive blisters, there's obviously advice about draining them, but you've got to be very careful then then introducing infections and making sure you're cleaning the the area very well beforehand and then maintaining it clean afterwards. So if you have got really severe blistering like that, then the best thing is seek some professional medical advice um, about how to manage that. Um, But generally speaking, yes, you want to let things air, let things let things heal naturally. Yeah, I'll link up to that. We did a big blister chat with Nikki Summers from awesome. the um, Kate Rath Ultra yes. um, and Aria Events, um, amazing yes. doctor. So I'll link to that in the film description below in the podcast show notes as well, because like that's the like the know how of blister treatment. There you go. I, I won't. I won't try and repeat any of that. <laughs> no, you've just said it in a nutshell, which is great. Um, so yeah, so you, you then can look into obviously deal with any of those niggles, any of those initial problems there, um, and then it's looking at just trying to keep yourself gently moving so you don't seize up, and that could just be going for a gentle walk. It could be going for a swim. Um, it doesn't have to be anything sort of 
more than that, quite simply going for a walk around the block. You know, the day after an ultramarathon, you may not feel like it, but going for a 20 minute, 15 minute walk around the block, you might not be enjoying it in those first couple of minutes, but you're probably moving better and feeling better after that. So simply just going for a walk, getting the muscles working, getting the blood pumping, that's going to help with any swelling you've got in your feet and your ankles, things like that, rather than just lying around, sitting around and just letting everything cool. Yeah. And what, uh, you, like, what happens if you have to drive home? Because I was really glad that I shared a lift to the Lakeland 50. Yeah. And so my friend Brian drove most of the way home until he was about to fall asleep at the wheel an hour from home. So okay. I took over then. But yes. I, it was OK. It was OK. But I wouldn't have wanted to drive for four hours. Yeah. Um, is there anything you can do if you're or should you try to stay the night after an ultra like for safety like if you haven't slept like obviously yes. that's a safety reason as well Absolutely. but yeah, yeah. so you, you've got to be safe of course so it depends on whether you're, you're physically able to and I think you've always got to have as a backup that you're not going to be driving you know I've, I've driven home after long ultras before because I've been okay at other times it's been a you know been a case of right now i need to just sleep in the car and then i'll drive off in the morning yeah uh, you break it up into intersections so yeah. i think you've always got to have that plan that you might be expecting to drive home but have it as a backup that if you're not if you're not capable of so you mentioned about having childcare for the next day yeah <laughs> yeah make, make sure you can you can do that yeah so if you do need to stay over you can um or if the race takes longer then it's not a problem yeah um so yeah just but once you once you are moving again then um that's just that's as much as we need to be doing just going for a bit of a walk like i say maybe going for a swim and again the pressure of the water can help with any swelling so they're just the high pressure there um that's what i did that actually after I did a couple of 20 milers before my 50 miler and then me and, and Steve and Finley went for a swim like just a yes. toddler splash in the afternoon yes. and I thought yep. oh that's good for recovery isn't it because it's, it's quite yeah, cold exactly. the water and just yeah. moving around gently um supported by the water so yeah, yeah. I'm pleased with that I'll take you know the kids to the to the pool and just going in the, in the little sort of toddler pool yeah they can be playing around and I can just be shaking the legs off and yeah. doing a bit of stretching. It's, and it's easy childcare, isn't it, swimming pools? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all floaty, uh, so you don't have to even look uh, at them. <laughs> that's it. So, so, yeah, I think the first thing you want to think about there is restoring that mobility. So just getting your joints moving again, getting your muscles moving again, your tendons, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, so that might be might be just going for a walk it might be going for a swim it might be doing some yoga some stretching um some massage getting on the on the foam rollers getting the massage guns out things like that so you know once you've nailed all of those then you might be adding in the additional so it might be um using the the massage boots so i've got the the complex air hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Boots, for example, uh, there's obviously plenty out on the market. Uh, it might be then booking a massage as well and, and having someone else just work through your tissues. There's nothing magical about massage, but it helps, it does help just, yes, you know, get some circulation going. But more than anything, it helps you identify, like, oh, I didn't think that area was sore and I'm finding a sore area. All oh, right, OK, I need to do a bit more work on that myself. So I get the tennis ball out, get the massage gun, stick, what roller, whatever it's going to be. And you can then be doing more work yourself. So sometimes going for a massage, yes, it makes you feel nice. Um, and if you feel nice, you're going to be moving better. Fantastic. But it's also a diagnostic exercise to find out, oh, I hadn't realised that muscle was sore, that tendon was sore or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, that's something to think about there. And are all, all those products and, all, and also the massage, that's, what's, that's, what that's doing is mainly promoting blood flow to the area so that it can get rid of the waste products and deliver the nutrients to the muscle. Is that basically what we're doing with all of these recovery things? No, but that's what you'll hear. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. I wrote a whole article about that. All the massage therapists will tell you that we're <laughs> improving blood flow, that we're removing waste products. Toxins. And- toxins and all this kind of nonsense uh, and afraid i'm afraid it is just nonsense there is no scientific, scientific really? yeah what the, um, there's no scientific evidence that massage or any massage products promotes recovery that's different oh okay but that's not how it so, does it oh, yes, okay it can, but probably not for the reasons that we thought oh. and people are still told that it does Oh, okay. So, so yeah. Okay. Maybe that, maybe that for another time. So does massage work? Yes. Does it work for the reasons that you're told? Probably not. No. How does it work so, then? What else does it even do? Well, it's probably more psychological than, than it's probably, oh. well, it's probably more psychological than it is physical. There are going to be some physical benefits, but those physical benefits are very, very short lived. And yet the benefits are longer lived than the physical effects. Um, so and any you know any change in blood flow is very very superficial so we're not really changing blood flow in the muscles changing blood flow in the skin oh i so, thought we were sort of like promoting blood flow to the area like pushing it all around and squeezing yeah, it and... no your body's very oh. good at doing that itself oh, okay <laughs> yeah so, otherwise we'd just inflate and die <laughs> exactly so so yeah let's let's not go off too much of a tangent or we'll be here all, all day um <laughs> But, you know, but the simple fact is, you know, massage is useful. Okay, good. Um, So, you know, treat yourself, book, you know, book a couple of massages post-race just to help with um, getting things moving, getting you feeling better. If you feel better, you will move better. And if you move better, you will recover better. So it's kind of more what it's about. Um, But the other thing is then just taking time off from, from training as well. So, as we, we touched on, you know, you had some some time off with, you know, your family, um, spending a bit of time with your, your husband, because all this training is time intensive. Yeah, and it? it makes you stressed, like fitting all the stuff in. Was, exactly. it was I didn't realise how stressed I had become until I took this yes. week off. And I was just like, why was I annoyed about all that? Like, yeah. what on earth? So, was like, I turned so into a terrible person. <laughs> now exactly. I'm really, really relaxed. That's it. And that's part of it as well. So, you know, spending that time with your friends and your family, reconnecting, um, having those meals out, going to the cinema, um, you know, taking a small break. You know, again, part of that post-race planning might be I'll plan 
um, a weekend away. So again, myself, um, I've got my race and then a couple of weeks later, I've got a weekend away with my wife um, oh. just to go and chill and relax. And, you know, again, so it was, you know, putting that time back into the family again, because we have obviously taken a lot of time away from the family with, with all the training. Um, so, so yeah, there's that. And before we even then think about getting back into training again, it's, it's making sure your body is, is ready for that. So it's res- restoring that kind of resilience in the body. And a lot of that is kind of, I think one of your um, patrons asked a question about sort of tendon problems. And yes, before we get back into that running again, is make sure that your tendons are healthy enough, that your muscles are healthy enough. So it's getting back probably into the weights room, into the gym, or doing some strength work at home before you start thinking about even returning to running again. Um, So going through some, so with our athletes, we get them doing like an isometric routine. So some static like wall squats, uh, you know, static calf raise and hold, static um, split squats, those type of movement patterns, but just loading those tendons, making sure that they're healthy before we ask those tendons to deal with the impact forces of of running again. Ah. And I would then say that when you do start to think about that endurance training again, it's a non-impact. So it's getting on the bike, it's getting in the pool, it's getting on the cross trainer. So myself, um, I've got the the lever system uh, attached to my treadmill so I can reduce the impact forces. So it's a bit like the Alter-G treadmill, but this is using... um, essentially elastic cables and, and shorts with pulleys on them so I can lift myself up. So yes, get back into running, but less impact through the legs. So that initial post Lavaredo, those runs there, reduced impact, and then easing, easing back into it again. So those those things that you can then think about. Yeah. And Nadia's got a good question that just ties in with what you've just been saying there. Um, she says, I wonder how, how she'll know when the init- that the initial recovery time is over and when she should start moving again. Um, yep. it, can you sort of feel it? Like, does your body start feeling like lighter or do you just really want to go for a run? Because yes. you don't want to go back too soon, do you? Yeah. So, again, that's kind of my final point there is don't start back too soon. Yeah, um, and I think a very good rule of thumb is when you think you're ready to to go running the next day, wait another day. Yeah, just give yourself that extra day or so, um, or week. And, in my case, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it might be you take a week off. It might be ten days off. There's some very rough rules of thumb. You know, for people racing a marathon, it used to be. Um, you know, you take a day for every mile raced, for example. Okay. I think that's probably a bit much. Yeah, for, 26 you know, days. For a mile, it might be kind of, uh, or those kind of longer ultras, it might be a day for every 10 miles of raced. So, mm-hmm. you know, after a 100 miler, you're not going to think about running for a good maybe 10 days plus. Um, some people are different. Some people need longer. You know, I've worked with, you know, Olympic athletes, Olympic marathon runners, who after racing a, an A race, a key race, they will not run for two weeks, full stop. Um, And other people who, you know, they're back training again within within a few days. So it really depends on the individual. You need to listen to your body. But I think listening to your body, you'll know kind of like, yeah, I feel like I go for a run tomorrow or I feel like I go for a run today. Okay, I'm just going to wait another one. I'm just going to check. Do I still feel that same way? Yeah, that's interesting Um, because Andrew's got a question about that as well. Sorry, did you want to... Say something. I was going to say for for some people though, when it's a really 
really big event they've done. They put a lot into that. And we're saying, right, you do need a, a longer rest and recovery, both physically, but also mentally and emotionally and psychologically. Sometimes it's a case of, right, I'm going to make you wait until you're desperate to run it. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so over-resting. I'm, I'm really hungry to return to training again. And we kind of get through maybe two or three weeks um, before we get to that stage. Um, so, you know, I've had people where it's like, yeah, I, I feel okay again, but do I really want to train? Mm, not, not sure. We wait. We rest. Until it's like, no, I really want to go for a run now. Okay, now you're ready. Ah, that sounds good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of patience there. Um, and so um, in, a, in sort of like the opposite vein, um, Andrew Knox, um, he did the, his first 100K. Yep. Um, for, he's 45 um, yep. in the Lake District. So I think it was the um, UTS 100K that he's talking about here. Um, he has been susceptible to injuries in the past. Um, mm -hmm. And he finished it in 17 hours. Mm -hmm. That's really good, isn't it? 17 hours. Yeah, that's amazing. I finished half that in 13. <laughs> um, so what would you suggest is a bare minimum for recovery from your first 100K being that UTS 100K? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be really awkward and say there isn't uh, a simple answer to that one <laughs> because everybody is different and every race is different. Um, you know, I've done I've done 100k races where I've needed three weeks off, and I've yeah. done 100k races where I've needed three days off. Okay. Um, so you've just got to listen to your body, and you can you can go into a recovery period um, after race, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm just going to need a week off, and I'll be grand. Um, and then you try and get back into training, and it's very obvious that it's not all good. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. And it can, you know, it can be that you might have you might have physically recovered, but you haven't maybe psychologically and emotionally recovered from that race. It might be that your your legs are feeling fine, but your heart is saying, "No, nah, I'm not ready to work hard again." I'm, I've done, you know, again, I've done races where you know I've recovered from the mountain race. I've got no DOMS. My legs are feeling fine. I can run super easy, but as soon as I try to lift the pace. My heart rate was just like, nah, I'm yeah. not going to work hard again yet. I need a bit longer to recover. Yeah. Okay, fine. So it's, it's multifaceted. And okay. That's why you've just got to listen to your body. Okay. So he's he's listening live and he's just said it was the Lakeland the Lakeland Trails 100K, Lakeland Trails, not 100K. the UTS, which is way harder. I got confused because he did go to the UTS, but I think he did the 50. Um, so, yes, it was 100, um, 100K Lakeland Trails. Um, he said, I'm only asking as I felt totally fine after three or four days. I yep. waited until seven days, ran an easy pace park run, but my soleus muscle developed a tear two miles in. I had yep. no inkling this was coming even after a mile of running. The physio said it was a fatigued muscle, muscle that hadn't had enough recovery that led to the tear. So that's interesting, isn't it? even more well, that's it. reason it's, you know, to wait you know energy systems may have recovered but absolutely you know muscle tissue is feeling fine walking around but there's still a lot of healing that's going on there um so so that's where again i get people to go through that that we'll go into the gym first we'll get on the exercise bike first we're not going to rush back into to running again um 
and it's kind of if you've got to tick those boxes of yes i can i can do those exercises in the gym i know my tissues are ready to return to running yeah and was it an easy pace park run andrew what can you ever go to park run and run an easy pace i certainly can't i get swept up in that competition but even an easy <laughs> run i mean that's it we i think people do rush back too soon because within a few days you know you are recovering and you often do feel quite good and you know you get all that kind of you know that that, that that happy feeling of oh, just a really good race. I've achieved, you know, I've achieved a goal or whatever it might be. It's like, yeah, I want to carry this up, you know, carry on, go on to the next thing. And we rush back too soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all done it. I've, you know, I've done it in the past as yeah. well. You know, thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, I've recovered. I'm fine. Go and try and do a, you know, a club run or something like that. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just wait a bit. It's like being ill, isn't it? Wait one, one day more. Wait one yeah, day more. Yeah. Just a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. And have you got any quick advice on tendonitis for Peter as well? He says it is in his knee and um, he did it while sleeping somehow. Uh, very restless um, bedtime antics. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it won't have happened um, during sleep. It's probably more that um, it's something that's happened. Um, you know, tendon problems are slow to come on. So it's things, you know, you're looking back two three four weeks and you know what's that training been over that last block and has that been more than the previous two three four weeks and that sort of ramp up um so it might be just that yeah everything seemed to be okay and then during that recovery phase overnight this is where the, the body's gone into maybe a, an acute inflammatory response um and that's why you then sort of woken up with with symptoms that would have happened overnight unless you, you did something random in bed or, or banged it or uh, yeah or again there, there are some some other inflammatory conditions that that could be manifesting so um the the key thing is you've obviously got to go and see a, a healthcare professional uh and and confirm that that's exactly what it is um and if you're struggling to identify that cause um then again helping having some work through and help problem solve and identify what the cause is, that's going to be key for then finding the solution. You've got to identify the cause, not just the treat the, the, the symptoms. Um, but sort of general advice when it comes to tendinopathies, tendon problems is we're looking at loading programs. So it's looking at, um, as I mentioned, part of that recovery phase is looking at maybe sort of long sustained static holds. Um, <clears throat> that can have a, a pain relieving effect um, on the tendon as well as, as also having a, a beneficial stimulus in terms of the, the, the fibres in the tendon, the collagen fibres in the tendon. Um, but then moving on to heavier loading. So again, it's getting in the gym or loading up your, your backpack or putting children on your shoulders or whatever it might be and, and going through some slow, heavy movement patterns. So, you know, slow, heavy squats, um, step up, step down, things like that. Uh, that's what's going to really help strengthen the, the tendons to then be able to take the forces and the impact that, that running involves. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. I'm sure Peter will be doing that. Yeah. Follow that advice, Peter. Yeah. Um, thank you, you so for, much. Yeah. If you need further help, then find somebody locally or I can set up with an uh, online consultation with myself or one of the team. Yeah, that's brilliant. Tim is available and his whole team for any physio advice that you need and coaching advice as well. He's an excellent coach, I might say. I have completed two out of three ultras this year because of Tim. So thank you very much, Tim. And one wasn't his fault at all. I got ill. 
Um, <laughs> so, you say two out of three ain't bad. Yes, two out of three ain't bad. Um, so I just want to just cover a little bit about them. I know we mentioned earlier, but just just to cover these two questions that have come yeah. in about multi-day ultras. Yes. Um, and then and then uh, we've got a final thing just about like if you don't complete. So um, trail running Phil on the live chat says, question, any advice for a multi-day ultra event for preparing to run again the next day? I.e., what do you do before you go to sleep? And yep. what do you do when you wake up? And I think that's pretty similar to Jade's, who's just saying that she's doing a three day event in seven weeks time. It's yep. going to have quite a lot of hills in it. Yep. Um, uh, about a marathon distance each day. Sounds like the Jurassic Coast like one of them vo2 events um so yeah what's the best way to recover after each one to minimize doms and to yeah we've got things like dragon coming up as well so i'm, I'm sure yeah. you probably get, um people on the patreon uh doing dragons back so we sort of touched on it before in terms of you got to think about that recovery almost before you cross that finish line so uh, making sure that you're taking on obviously enough calories during the run but also starting to take on, you know, the fats and the proteins. Um, <clears throat> so I would often carry like a sort of protein bar. So almost, um, you know, that last hour before that finish line, you start then eating some some protein. You're starting to give your body um, the proteins that it needs to then start that repair process or before you've even finished. Um, so if you're going through aid stations, it's trying to pick up maybe things which, which have got a little bit more protein in them rather than just grabbing the, the simple sugars. Uh, or if you are carrying your own nutrition, is thinking about is there anything else in there which is a bit more real food, it has got more fat and protein in there. Then it's, as soon as you cross that finish line, bang, you're straight into getting your, your rehydration on board. It's getting your, your your carbs and your proteins back on board. So it's you know your, your quick-acting recovery fuel. So whether that's a recovery shake, you know, a pro, you know, processed recovery shake. If you've got access to, you know, shops and, and real food, it could be, uh, you know, your milk or milk products, um, fruit, and then straight into, or you know, yogurts, things like that. And then you're straight into your more substantial meal straight after that. Get cleaned up as quick as possible and get your compression gear on as quick as possible. Um, it is going to help. It's going to minimise uh, any of that natural swelling that you'll be getting in your feet and ankles. So get that on as quick as possible. Um, when you go for that shower, you can be doing either cold shower or contrast. So hot and shower, hot and cold. Um, if you can, if there is a body of water jumping in the in the lake, in the stream, things like that. Again, that's just going to help make your legs feel better. If you feel better, you move better. So that yes, yeah, so you get cleaned up, get showered maybe do some cold water immersion, cold shower, contrast shower, which, whatever you want. Get your compression gear on. Go through a little bit of stretching, just very light stretching, keeping your body moving. Maybe going through some some massage. So if you've got massage gun, either the big ones or uh, like complex, do a little mini one, just like a small handheld type thing. You know, that vibration therapy. Again, you know, I love the complex stuff and the vibration stuff. There's nothing special about it. It's just that vibration, just tricking the nervous system. It makes your legs feel better. They relax off a little bit better. If they're relaxed and they feel better, you'll move better and you'll be happier. And therefore, you're ready to then push again the next day. Um, so, yes, it might be just before you go to bed, do a little bit of stretching, 5, 10, 15 minutes, just going through some light yoga poses or some light stretching. And then, yeah, get some sleep. 
I would then advise taking some extra protein. So just before you go to bed is another sort of protein shake or uh, if you've got access to it, just some, you know, some, for example, Greek yogurt, um, getting that or take some extra kind of whey protein powder with you. So, again, help with that repair process overnight. And that's been shown to, to help. Um, you could possibly think about things like some of the antioxidants. I know you've done some work with um, curins, haven't you? The, um, oh, yeah, currants. Yeah, yes. currants, sorry, currants. Yeah. I used to call it currants, and then I heard someone yeah. else call it currants and thought, yeah, actually, it is currants. <laughs> so, you know, again, it might be thinking about taking some you know, high-dose vitamin C antioxidant in that initial um, recovery phase. Uh, post-race as well just to minimize the you know the free radicals that you've got floating around in your system there so so yeah those are the kind of things you want to be thinking about but it's about absolutely you know start the rehydration the refueling as quick as possible try and do some cold of some description get cleaned up get some compression gear on do a little bit of massage a little bit of mobility work eat some more food get some more protein on board, sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least get in your bed. Sometimes it's just a question of just lying down, feet up, relaxing. Don't just sit there on your phone, um, stimulating your brain, just mental rest, recovery, eyes closed, go through some meditation or something like that. Um, if it's a multi-day event, often it can be quite busy, quite noisy, you know, people finishing later. So, don't get stressed about the fact that you're maybe not sleeping, but you're resting. And that's the important thing. Yeah. Uh, so just get in lie down. Um, one of the guys I used to train with had a fantastic phrase, which was, why stand when you can sit? Why sit when you can lie? Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you get the opportunity, sit down, lie down, get your feet up, chill. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking back now to my Cape Wrath Ultra. Um, I did four days of that and my hips were just screaming at me. And I just think now knowing what I do about training consistently with a slightly heavier pack and doing loads of hill reps and also taking currents, which actually really helps for me with my joints and yeah. also strength work. Yeah. I just feel like there's a massive case for recovery not being what you do after the event, but what you do before the event. Like I've just, just like this light bulb has, because yeah. I've been talking to you about all this stuff, this light bulb just come on in my head. And like, I want to say to all these people doing the three day events and things like that, um, train, train for your recovery, <laughs> do your strength training. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, Jade B's listening as well. So she's doing the Atlantic coast. That's her first multi-day of VO2 oh, yes. event. I thought it sounded like that. I, I really, I've got that one on my to-do list as well. Um, she says Currens is on her list to get as well. And do you know what? A, a few people in, um, in the Lakeland 50 said they were taking Currens now as well um, because of hearing me talk about it. So yeah, it's taken me since they contacted me first in December and it's taken me until now to actually be on board with it and actually think yes it does work for me because I didn't really notice it before but doing the bigger races I definitely notice it and I take it during the race as well um yeah so yes yeah good stuff yeah and she says all really good tips thank you um she wouldn't have considered extra protein shakes before bed and she's gonna have a hot cold shower too when she gets back to the airbnb and a dip in the sea that sounds absolutely fantastic that sounds good yeah so just before you go Tim I just need to read out we saved someone's life with our chats. So I want to read this to you. 
Gmeth says, big thanks to you both. Last week I was stranded on a Croatian mountain. In a previous YouTube video, you said that um, trail running is a series of problems to be solved and this helped me to survive. Um, they're doing a YouTube video coming shortly. Um, and they Hello? said, Croatian mountain rescue was superb. When panic hit yeah. at the top of the mountain in the middle of a thunderstorm, when all my batteries failed, I sat down and I said, what would Tim do? <laughs> So we've saved someone's life. <laughs> Very good. That's yeah. it. Paul's yeah, thing. Don't panic. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Mic drop and over. <laughs> yeah. So well, I'm glad that, that came out. All right. Well done. Yeah. Good. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's all life lessons that ultra running teaches you. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Transferable to all sorts of um, life areas. Yeah. So yeah. you're a yeah. lifesaver, Tim. Well done. Um. And yeah, and you know, you talked about Compex a little bit. Um, I'm going to put some links yeah. to those in the description below, so everybody have a look there. Yeah. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't push these things. Um, I've got a, a, a relationship with Compex, um, uh, and I'm, I'm part of their sort of practitioner network. So if anybody does want to learn more about Compex, then again, um, feel free to get in touch. Um, again, as part of their practitioner network. Um, I, I always am able to uh, purchase them at the lowest price available. Um, so they, they provide us with a discount code every month, um, a, a link to their, their discounts. So if anybody else is running any offers, they will always match that. Um, so if anybody did want to buy anything uh, from the Compex store, um, I, I'm not allowed to tell you what the discounts are. Again, that's contract. Um, but get in touch and I'll, I'll let you know. And okay. but it's always a significant discount. Oh, okay. Uh, so how did they do that then? Go to your uh, website. Maybe just, maybe just get in touch with me. Oh, I'm not okay. allowed to on social media get about it. In touch uh, with it's just part him. of the uh, the deal uh, right. because they don't want it. They don't want it kind of advertised. Okay. Uh, well, this isn't advertising. There's only 20 people watching and only a further thousand will watch <laughs> later. And there'll only be another thousand on the podcast I'm as well. Not, yeah, I'm not allowed to sort of, basically, he's not, not allowed to advertise and therefore undercut other people. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. If anybody contacts me, I can always get the cheapest rate that month um, for, for any of the complex um, pieces of equipment. Cool. So whether it is the massage guns or uh, the recovery boots or the, um, the sort of, what they're more known for, things like the electrical stim. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, secret handshake with Tim. And, yes. uh, yeah, I'll put I'll put that in the show notes as well. That's um, fine. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're just coming up to the hour now. So we've got 30 seconds left. Um, I just, I did, I was, I've got one question here about what if you DNF'd? Like, that's mm. part of your recovery, isn't it? To deal with that, like, in your mind. It can affect people. Like, I've got a friend who did the 50. She got a PB on the 50 on the Lakeland. Um, and she did, she tried to do the 100 a, a year or so ago. And she got oh. timed out at about 35 miles. And it really, really affected her. And she hasn't signed up for the 100 since. Mm. Um, she's gone back to the 50. Um, but she's really quite nervous about doing the 100 again. And, and she's a really, really good runner. And she's a very experienced ultra runner. It's not like she's just turned up and it's her first one or anything she's done loads of the hard moors um and it, yeah it just really caught her out the timings and she hadn't recce it and it got dark and because it starts at 6 p.m yeah. and yeah. so that dnf's really affected her and i remember when i dnf'd cape Wrath ultra as well yeah. it took me a year to get that film made because i was really ashamed of myself and yes. like because i do a youtube channel about running and i'm like supposed to be 
you know, like a, a good runner and absorb all these tips from the experts. And I just, I couldn't do it. And I felt really down on myself about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But actually now I find if other people DNF and they talk about that and they write about it and they film it, I find that much more interesting because, mm -hmm. because they sort of know why they went wrong and they've learned something. Whereas if it all goes fine and you just have a great race, then you don't really learn anything. So I thought yeah. maybe the next chat that we had could deal a bit more in depth about yeah. how yeah. do we deal positively with these DNFs and mm. and take what learning points should we be looking for for next time would that mm. be would that be an interesting yeah. one for you we haven't covered that yet i don't think have i don't know we? we have no we haven't talked about that not in, uh, not in depth no yeah we, we might have touched on it um at some stage i mean uh, yeah it's a horrible horrible experience um i i still um yeah, almost getting a bit emotional thinking about uh, DNF that I had at um, Ultra Tour Monte Rosa. Mm. Um, you know, gone into that race thinking I was going to do quite well and it all just went horribly wrong. Um, but reflecting back on that, I knew why it went wrong and that DNF is what's then catapulted me onto having success um, at all these other events. So, you know, it was a process that at some stage I think everyone has to go through. Um, and it is a, it's not a nice experience, but it is a very useful learning experience to have. And yeah. You'll grow a lot from it. It's humbling, um, isn't it? It's very humbling. It is. <laughs> and I think you need to go through, you know, grieving processes because, <clears throat> again, you know, if you DNF from a from a race that you've invested a huge amount of time, energy, money, yeah. everything into, and then it doesn't come off, you know, you need to grieve for that, and you've got to go through those same kind of stages of, of grief. Um, but it is something that, you know, you will get over. And, um, you know, we use the, you know, the acronym, you know, DNF, but always change that to you did did nothing fatal. Yes, or did not fail, because you didn't fail, because you learned. <laughs> yeah, you learned, did yeah. nothing and fatal is also good. Very the things good. that go wrong than the things that go right. Of course we, we do. Um, but, you know, races will always be there, or the mountains will always be there. Races come and go. Yeah. Um, but you can always go back. You can always do it again. You can always go and you know bury those demons later on. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, do nothing fatal. If, if you if you pull out of a race, it's usually for a jolly good reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Like you're not enjoying you're not it. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, not your day. Um, and yes, sometimes people will you know, particularly maybe more the front end of a field will pull out because hmm. it's not going to plan. Yeah. But it, pull out it means that they can bounce back and they can race again very quickly afterwards rather than grinding it out and, and doing the damage and needing a longer recovery like yeah just... yeah elites dnf all the time don't they they just drop out they and they don't really think in the same way about it as we do like because well you're an elite so you're probably the same now but um but for people like me just in the middle of the pack it's it's doing the race it's having that experience that we're after not yeah. going on the podium or having a tummy trouble and deciding to stop because you know, we've got a race in two weeks' time, so... Yeah, so we can talk about, obviously, the, you know, the reasons why people DNF, but then certainly the, kind of, the recovery after that in terms of psychological, emotional recovery. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if there's anybody listening here that's, you know, recently, you know, DNF'd is, I would just say, you know, be kind to yourself. You did nothing fatal. Mm. Um, recover from this. You will come back, uh, and you will be stronger in the long run. Yeah. But just accept that it is going to hurt in the short term yeah uh, and that's okay 
Yeah, and that was, I think we did touch on DNF a little bit after I DNF'd the um, uh, Manx Mountain Marathon yeah. because I wrote down the three reasons that I DNF'd and used that in order to train for UTS. So that was really useful. So actually DNFing can be really useful. It sucks, but it is really useful if you think about it in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, don't just bury your head in the sand and feel yeah. sorry for yourself. Use yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Fab. Cool. Okay, great. Hope well, yeah, that's been amazing. Thank you so much, Tim. We've got had loads of lovely, lovely comments here. Maria Nutson, all the way from Sweden. Um, she says, great advice today. And Andrew Knox said, great, great show, Tim and Claire, another great show. Thank you, Tim and Claire, another great show. So everybody has really enjoyed that today. Thank you so much, Tim. It's really fantastic to chat to you. And next time we'll be chatting to Tim about how to deal with a DNF and learn from it so you can get back in the game next time. Um, so yeah, good luck in your Ridgeway um, Challenge 86 miler. I think next time we chat to you, we'll have done that so we can get all the all the details on that. And hopefully you won't have DNF'd so, so that you hopefully won't be talking from first-hand information recently yeah. from that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> congratulations on um yeah on which is your latest one lavaredo yeah well we have congratulated you for that already haven't we um yeah <laughs> yeah well good luck and um, you very much. um we will chat soon cool yeah, okay well, thanks tim cheers bye Bye, everyone Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 